Hey. Nice music. It is. I love this song. So, hey. Hi. Thanks for listening, guys. This is where we need Randy. Yeah. So, hey, we've had a really exciting month, guys. Uh, Marcus and Luke and I got to head up to Moscow, Idaho, and we have some secret things in the works that are really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And we got to just do all these roadshow interviews. Got to sit down with Nate Wilson, uh, Doug Wilson's son, uh, who wrote, uh, he's written some great stuff, uh, Notes from the Tolta World, highly recommend it. Uh, Hundred Cupboards. Uh, it's a children's uh, book series. It's really, really great. Not just children's. It's just great. It's just a great book series. Kind of like along the theme of like Chronicles of Narnia. It's really good. Um, got to sit down with them and do some interviews, and I think they're great uh, interviews. Um, so this this first interview uh, is with Nate Wilson, and uh, Nate Wilson again is Doug Wilson's son. We got to sit down at Canon Press and just talk. And I, I love this interview. I love As it. As do I. It's fantastic. It really is because we get into some pretty intimate things and uh, it really is all about like practical living as a Christian. And so I love it. I can wait for you to hear it. Uh, and I want to point you guys to ApologiaRadio.com for more content from Apologia Studios. Uh, don't forget right now, uh, all access is only $1 donation. It's a $1 donation and... Everybody who signs up, including everybody who's already all access, is going to be put into a big uh, coffee can or something. <laughs> and uh, we're going to pull from that. We're going to give away a gift. A red Starbucks cup? A red Starbucks cri- cup, and we're going to put Merry Christmas on it. Uh, <laughs> so, no, we're going to give away a gift. We're going to fly somebody out. We're going to put you up in a hotel. We're going to take you out to Meat Fest 2016, big dinner. We're going to have you in the studio. Be here and, and do a show with us. And so all it is is a dollar donation to start, and uh, that's it. And so that's happening right now. So this is Nate Wilson at Canon Press with me. And that was really NPR, man. Thanks. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> so, uh, what are we talking about? Yeah, no, I, I got some. I got, I got an idea. Got some stuff. So, uh, this maybe we'll get into a broader discussion where I first learned about you. I, I read Notes from the Tales of the World. Okay. Yeah, and okay, very few books have I ever stopped and like put down after like a page just to sit and digest for like an <laughs> hour, because it was it was so beautifully written and it was just such a powerful it was a powerful like demonstration of sort of this this types of things your dad says all the time the things I try to say a lot about Christ and the biblical worldview and God. Um, Christ and his lordship, like impacting every way yeah. that you think and you view the world. So we always tell people about, especially today, especially homeschool conventions, it's right. worldview, worldview, worldview. Yeah. But it can start to seem kind of dry and like tasteless because it's just you need to learn the biblical worldview and this is the way yeah. things operate. But you had this way of describing it that I was like, that's legs on everything that I'm saying. So I got the movie. I bought okay. the film. And uh, so good... Good uh, marketing, like, you know, book, convince me to Perfect. get the film. And so, supposed to go the other way, but yeah, that's okay. Yeah, So then uh, we did it in church, actually okay. in our, our small groups. We actually had people go through Notes from the Tilt World, um, the, the movie, and sit and talk about it. And it was uh, really transforming for a lot of people because awesome. we're like, wow, like all of life. Yeah, everything. Everything connects to God and should impact the way that I think about the world. So I just want you to talk about that just for a second. I want you to talk about how, okay, here's why I wanted to ask you. 
And I didn't even know this was happening right now. So this is, this is pretty great. Like I just learned that we're going to talk. So this is what I wanted to ask you for a while. Your dad has preached on this stuff for a long time. Yeah. He's impacted a lot of people, a lot of pastors. Like your dad has had a lot of influence in, in, in really helping us to see things clearly and then to communicate that to others. But you're a son. Right. And so here's what I want to tell you. This is one thing I said to my wife. I'm like, if you want to see the fruit of what Doug is saying, look at his kids. <laughs> right? Right. Wisdom, sure. yeah. Jesus says, is vindicated by her children. And it, with, your, with you, it's like, that's it. Like, there it is. So how has all of that, like, been able to take root in your life so you can actually write about it, talk about it, and live it? Uh, that's a pretty tough question. You know. I mean, that's... It's a big question because I didn't know how strange my upbringing was for a really long time. Okay. And it wasn't until, you know, adulthood that I was actually coming to really experience other people's. I and mean, I had friends. I could see how my friends were being raised. Yeah. My friends were going through the same school I was and the same training I was. So there wasn't nearly as much difference. Right. But out there, I started to run into a couple different things. Uh, Basic failure to actually mean what you say okay. with every aspect of your life. So my dad has always been joyful. And so when you're preaching a gospel of joy and release and freedom and you're not joyful, you're an angry man, like yeah. there's a basic contradiction. Yeah. So I managed to grow up without ever seeing my father get angry. Really? And by that I mean like lose his temper. So I've, ne I've never seen my father lose any kind of self-control, ever, like in my lifetime. Wow. So I've seen him hit hard. I've seen him make decisions. I've seen him choose to be angry at something because it's the biblical response. But I've never seen any kind of loss of self-control. I've never seen him worry. You know, I've only ever seen him be joyful and be at peace, that he's, he's moving in faith. And as he does, that God will bless it and do what God wants to do with it. So when he told me God's in control, when he told me this is God's world, he, there was never a question of whether or not he meant it. And I think there's a lot of times people, Christians especially, it's easy. I, I, now that I'm a parent, I can see how easy it, it is to tell your kids things when you're trying to talk yourself into it. Mm -hmm. you know, instead of you explaining to your children why it is that you live the way that you live, you're, you're catechizing yourself more yeah. than them. And so my dad was very clinical in showing me how to assess worldviews and break them apart, but he also was very, very incarnational in showing me how to live them and how those worldviews are lived. Mm -hmm. So what was more important to him than, but basically, like, think a lot of people who do worldview analysis, what you were just talking about with homeschool and worldview analysis, it's kind of like an insect collection. Mm -hmm. You know, let's pin it to a board, like hedonism, and you, you know, you pin it to the board and you put it, you put it in the box, and then you get an A from your mom. But, uh, <laughs> but what, what, is, what is the incarnational manifestation of hedonism? Mm -hmm. That was far more important. And for my father, being able to look at the incarnational manifestation of a worldview and then back it out to the architecture, to the skeleton of it, and attack that, attack the architecture, but also be able to attack the incarnation. Because a lot of good educators and good worldview Christians think that everybody's motivated by logic when no one is. So when you, when you encounter incarnate hedonism, and you think, I'm going to go to their logical root, it's not why they are a hedonist. Like, the logic of it has nothing to do with it. 
Yeah. Uh, the logic of it is just rationalization after the fact. So I think I was eight or ten years old when I first watched MTV with my dad. We'd sit there and, you know, he'd curate it. But I remember watching Peter Gabriel music videos as a very young kid with my father saying, what is this saying? Like, what is this? Like, this is the, this is the, the artistic incarnation of a belief, of a perspective of the world. Wow. And so in talking through it, talking through this little stop motion, you know, music video and what Peter Gabriel was trying to say. But the same thing applied to watching my father. What is it, watching him, what does it say about what he believes? Yeah. How does it work its way out? So with Tilt-A-Whirl, man, when I sent that off, it was 3.30 in the morning or 4 in the morning or something, and I was writing, I, was, I had destroyed some part of my house, and so I had moved my desk into uh, our bedroom, and I clicked send, and my wife kind of woke up and looked at me. And I was just sitting there at the computer, and she asked me what I'd done. I told her I'd sent it off. And, I told her, I feel like I just streaked through a megachurch. Like that was the sensation. I'm clicked, send to Thomas Nelson. Here it goes, this raucous romp through lots of different mean-what-you-say exercises. Yeah. God made everything. God spoke ex nihilo. What does that mean? What does it mean right now, right this second? Yeah. And taking all those little mantras and truths that Christians have, which can be great, but trying to bring them all the way into the incarnate present for people consciously, yeah. so they can see and receive the world the way mm -hmm. they say they do, mm -hmm. and the way they say they want to. Yeah. So with Tilt-A-Whirl, I didn't think I was bringing anything to the table that was new in any way. That was not the goal. Uh, the goal was simply to try to gather a bunch of friends that I had in mind, very specifically, from grad school and, and college, and make them see what it is they actually say, and receive the world as if it is, in fact, the kind of thing they say it is. Because they can live as materialists, but then pay lip service to Christianity. And to try to break down those contradictions and, and make people be consistent. Yeah. I don't know if that's really an answer. No, it absolutely is. No, no, good. So, okay, so here's what, what was exciting to me about it was, again, what I said. It was like taking all these things we talk about in terms of, like, worldview and God as the center yeah. and him being the treasure to pursue and... Um, you know, like there's real meaning to that. Like, you know, Jesus is God and he loves us and he's forgiven us and he, he, um, he, he matters more than anything. Yeah. And he made all this stuff. And, and there was a, man, there was, the, my favorite part from the film was where you, you do the gas station part. It's my favorite part. <laughs> you start touching the car and like, what the, yeah. what's this made of? And, and, and because you take like what are pretty specific and necessary philosophical yeah. truths and you turn it and flip it because most Christians want to hang there and go, that's yeah. great. That, like, that really destroys... It's a shiny abstraction. Yeah, that yeah. really destroys like, a materialist position and you start yeah. to really think about the implications and becomes an apologetic endeavor and like, you know, you're really pursuing it down that line. And it kind of hangs there. Yeah. And, and, and for, that's boring, right? Yeah. And so what, what I really liked about Notes from the Tilted World is you're really taking the biblical worldview and you're really making it... Okay, is this, is this, is this right to say this without sounding like overly childish and sneaky like it make fun yeah like it, god yeah. is god is a happy god and yep. he's a god who delights in his creation and his people and we're supposed to delight in him yeah and and, and so here's when I, I remember watching the film and it wasn't that you're being a motivational speaker it's that you were putting legs on the biblical worldview saying now go have fun yeah like go enjoy god and his creation so, so i really appreciated about it like a lot and i've read uh your 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 book um about the hundred cupboards. Okay, yeah. And uh, to my kids and everything else. And uh, 
I just, I just like what you do. And so, okay, so what I, I guess what I ask you, since I have you in front of me now, is how do we, how do we do that? How do we do that with our kids? Yeah. How, how do we, how do we, because you lived it with dad yeah. speaking into your life, and now you have kids, and now you're doing it, and you're making things very beautiful and fun. Now, how, how do we do that? Yeah. You know, I think it's, I'll, I'll jump a generation back, like hop my father and land on my grandfather. Okay. And I think one of the most important, one of the things I took for granted about my childhood, about yeah. my upbringing, uh, one of the big ones was what my grandfather calls practical Christianity, okay. which is things like confession of sin. So it's like getting things right on how to be in fellowship, how to keep very, very short accounts with your own sin, because the reason why we're not consistent creatures, consistent images of God, is because we're fallen. Like, we're broken. Yeah. So the reason why I could have one man say, the gospel is, is beautiful, the gospel is ultimate beauty, and then live a very ugly life, the reason why that's possible is because of sin. Mm-hmm. And then that picture passes on to the next generation, where they see him saying something mm. that's true, but failing to live it. And a failure to live what you say ultimately comes down to just weeds in the garden. It ends up being very simple work. Get on your knees and pull the weeds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just a lot of people have a standard for like where they make things right or where they apologize, where they confess. And it's, it's way, it's just so much further down the line than it needs to be. So very short accounts, confession of sin, never fighting with my sisters. Like it just wasn't tolerated. Like the instant things got bent out of shape or you know, the tone of voice starts to turn into a different direction, then uh, it was immediately confronted and dealt with there okay. before it could begin to make a man inconsistent. So if it grows, I mean, that's kind of a, it's an interesting take. It's like piety, holiness. Yeah. Holiness is what enables people to try to be consistent. And it's not to say they're perfect or they've arrived. They're confessing sin just as much as anybody else. But somebody over here is, is confessing at this threshold, and you're, you're confessing at the other threshold. Okay. So like you can dial it way back. Uh, we have 17 cousins now, first cousins, that have dinner at my parents' house about once a week. So my sisters and I and our spouses, we, sh- we go to my mom's house, bring all the kids. There's now 17 grandkids for my, for my parents. And my mom will put on you know, dinner for 30 once a week. Wow, And one of the things that's kind of astonishing, I was just commenting on this to my dad uh, this last week, is I don't remember the last time we had to intervene in a fight between cousins. Where we have 17 of them in close quarters coming together, and there's no, no yelling, no smacking, no, I mean, it just doesn't happen. Because the instant it starts to, the instant the seeds get planted that would take you there, it gets landed on and addressed and you know, and everybody goes, gets back in fellowship. Yeah. So I feel like my grandfather's hyper, uh, very pastoral, wise instruction to my father on how to stay right, how to stay right with God and how to stay right with his fellow man yeah. uh, is a huge factor in why he was able to live a consistent life, which is why I could see a picture of a man who lived what he said, and that's what I want to imitate myself. So it would be very, very easy to stop living what I said in Filter World. It'd be super easy. Like I do it all the time. You know, you start to drift, you start to forget God's presence, you start to yeah. you start to sin. You become an atheist, like I say in the book. You have to become an atheist in order to sin. 
Yeah. And it's very simple to do that. And you have to always be correcting. Like the car never just stays on the road by itself. Yeah. You know, there's always cliffs and guardrails. You could ruin your life in any given five minutes. Yeah. And living one faithfully has to be done over the course of decades. So it is, it is really, it's kind of interesting. You know, my grandfather's teaching on bitterness, on resentment, on envy. Yeah. On how to kill those things and how to always be working on those things, I think has been a remarkably freeing for his descendants. You know, it's really cool to think about something. Is um, all of this, Moscow, yeah. New St. Andrews, your dad's ministry, yeah. him getting in fights, like, you yeah. know, with atheists and the worldviews. Yeah. All of it seems so very heady. Like, it's very, I gotta think about that. I gotta work on this. Yeah. I gotta work on these three different uh, classical education. I gotta work on the, how do we educate and do it in the right way in music and literature. <laughs> and, it all, yeah. and it all seems like it's like overwhelming. This is so much. Like, you walk yeah. into St. Andrews and you're like, well, okay, I feel very dumb now. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go across the street and have a beer. Right, like you know, yeah. it's it's at a but, bar opened by New St. Andrews. But, yeah, but yeah, it's right. <laughs> but, you know, that's owned by them. Uh, okay, but what I'm getting from you, and it's actually really encouraging, is that the weightier things and what really it looks like convinced you to really pursue a life of delight in God was just consistency. Yeah. Meaning what you say. Yeah. And living it. Yeah, and, 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 and that's so very basic. That goes yeah. beyond, that that almost that goes way beyond the, the intellectual <laughs> yeah. stuff, and that, that it gets down to well, what makes me, what spurred me on, and what it motivated me was just consistency. Like, and I, they actually mean, they they mean what they say. Yeah, and the opposite of yeah. consistency is hypocrisy. Yeah, we all know we can, we can all know what a big deal hypocrisy is. Yeah, like wow, hypocrisy is really potent for turning people away. Yeah, but you don't think about what the opposite is for drawing people, or what the opposite is for for keeping the next generation in, and the next generation, and the next generation. Yeah. So it's, I mean, we're all inconsistent. Every time we sin, we're, it's a failure of consistency. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a lifetime journey. But it's one of those things that, you know, I, it's, it's amazing how, how much we fail to read any kind of story. So if, we don't like to judge people by what they do, we will say things like that, you know, what I just said, that doesn't accurately reflect who I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. It reflects who you are perfectly, in yeah. fact, and who you are should change. Uh, and we don't want to judge God by anything he does. So we want it to all be very serious, and, and he makes a bumblebee, and we draw no conclusions about the personality of God from the fact that he made a bumblebee. It's like that's just, we just don't ever bother to connect it. So some of it's just not like we're being a hypocrite about the bumblebee, it's just we're failing to think, like failing to push it through. Yeah. So push it to the edges and then find those inconsistencies, those places where you say one thing and, and do another and just kill them. I mean, just root them out. So, and it is also funny, my dad's such a brawler. He's known as such a brawler. Right. But it's, uh, he's such a jolly brawler. I mean, he's such a, a merry guy. And it's funny to watch people on the other side of the country think he must be furious. Because they, they assume anytime they ever get in a fight, they're mad. And so they project that onto him. Yeah. When he's actually just going home and playing his guitar. Yeah. You know, just, and no, he didn't see their Twitter feed. Because <laughs> he doesn't look at anybody's. Yeah. So it's just, he's just playing his guitar and writing, writing some rap lyrics or an old gospel <laughs> tune or just whatever takes his fancy. I mean, we're so far behind on what he produces and what he does, even getting it out there. I think he's got probably 40 books written that aren't published. I mean, it's just, he's just, he's just going. He's living his life and, and enjoying it. 
yeah. and delighting in every aspect of it because he knows all of it's from God and he believes it. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's what I'm always looking to try to imitate in him. Um, but it is, it's, it's really unique to watch somebody you know has a blood pressure that's bordering on dead. You know, I mean, that's where he is. And like, his blood pressure is just like <laughs> barely alive. Engage in really raucous combat, yeah. cultural combat, and how confusing that is to the opposition. Yeah. Which enabled him with Christopher Hitchens, for example, enabled him to not ever take offense. Like when Hitchens was needling him or trying to get him to react, he was just really genuinely amused. Yeah. And, and, they, <laughs> and they could become buds. Right, right. So, yeah. yeah. That's powerful. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. So that was awesome, and it was really cool because it was unexpected. We didn't know we were going to get a chance to talk to Nate. Yeah. That, that was like, in, Oh, what? That, yeah. was, that was N.D. Wilson on yeah. Apology Radio. And by the way, there's a really, really strong chance that Nate Wilson will be doing something at ReformCon. <laughs> That's right. Possibility. That's right. That's right. So be praying about that. Um, check it out. Missionalware. Uh, believes in the ministry of Apologia Church, and they they give towards Apologia Church, and so they help our ministry, and so we want to help them and bless them. So if you guys would, go to missionalware.com. They have a very special thing going on right now. They have a Christmas special, so you can get all their really cool, fancy Christian T-shirts, good stuff. Um, pick up a Bonson shirt, pick up a Spurgeon shirt, pick up a Whitfield shirt, pick up a, a shirt that talks about how awesome Jesus is, all at missionalware.com. And if you use the code APOLOGIA10, you get 10% off, but you have to order right now because uh, you have to get it in time for Christmas. That's right. And if you use APOLOGIA as your code, you get a sticker, an APOLOGIA <laughs> radio sticker. And, uh, Which can, I've seen, yeah, not in person. Yeah, you can put that in your car. But they look awesome. Yeah, they look good. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. So, ApologiaRadio.com is where you get us to those past episodes. Thank you guys for listening. We love you guys. And uh, we're excited about all the stuff coming out. Be looking at YouTube. Check Apologia Studios on YouTube. And you guys can check out all the great stuff we have this month. Tons of interviews, uh, a little gospel track from Mormons, and on-the-street uh, conversations with Mormons that we're doing right now at the Temple in Mesa, Arizona. Check it out. Beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall protect your manlyhood an epic combination of manliness and manhood if you're hearing this today there is hope for your beard go to youcosbeard.com and enter the code apologia and you can save some money while you save your face